You are listening to the Gear 30 Podcast, a community, you could even call it a support group, for people addicted to outdoor adventuring and all the gear that goes with it. There is no shame here. In spite of what your spouse or partner may say, we believe it's okay to own five tents, seven backpacks, and 18 jackets. Our slogan, inspired by the great explorer Sir Ranolf Fiennes, is, there is no such thing as bad weather, only inappropriate gear. So if you're an aspiring outdoor adventurer, a mountain guide, or anyone in between, you are in the right place. Welcome to the Gear 30 Podcast, where we talk about outdoor adventuring and all the gear that goes with it. Woohoo! Nope. And, uh, so, it's supposed to snow in a few days, and it's supposed to just keep snowing, mm. according to the forecast. Now, I have to, you have to be careful with those, because I've been disappointed so many times by what looks like an amazing forecast that, for snow, that just kind of falls apart. So, Especially these early season storms. Right. Right, but last year over Black Friday, Thanksgiving. Oh, it just nuked. It did nuke. Mm-hmm. So, could it do that this early? Oh, Maybe. That would be amazing. Good for but sure. what it has to do for backcountry skiing is... Um, Either to get a good... melt or stay. Yeah. Or, yeah, or just keep piling up. Cause, yeah. Yeah, that's one of the problems is sometimes we get a real good snowstorm, and then it warms up, and we get this hot, cold, hot, cold. Nothing for another four Nothing weeks. Nothing for four weeks and then we've got a horrible <coughs> week layer at the bottom of the snowpack so anyway oh man we sorry. do not need that this year yeah. we need a good <clears throat> solid base this year with with how many people are going to be out there that don't know what they're doing <laughs> a stable yeah. snowpack sounds nice right now yeah. yeah um but because we're starting to get into that time of year we wanted to answer some uh common questions that people have um, about backcountry skiing and the most basic, um, uh, so I, I've just got a list of questions here that, uh, of common, que- common questions about backcountry skiing. And, uh, so the first one is what are the different types of backcountry skiing? Well, uh, obviously they're split boarding. Obviously. obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got like, uh, I mean, you could go. <laughs> you guys said that together. No, that was I, so good. I did not. We did yeah. not plan that at all. No, no, that was pretty good. Though. Same. We must be skiers. Yeah. So, on the spectrum, you've got everything from like cross country skiing, right? That's just like oh, that's not backcountry. I know it's not backcountry, but you can get into the backcountry. And then on the other side, it's uh, alpine touring, ski mountaineering type stuff. Um, with powder skiing sort of being on that end of the spectrum, but um, but so the gear that you need for that, of course, is your traditional downhill ski, ideally a light lightweight one, uh, touring binding, skins, and a and a boot that'll fit in that touring binding, and then your avalanche gear, right? Um, for cross country skiing, if you're getting into the back country with Nordic gear, you still want the avalanche stuff if you're in avalanche terrain. <clears throat> um, but usually with the Nordic skiing skis, they're scaled on the bottom. You don't use skins. You can use skins, but usually you don't. And uh, and so, yeah, that's a little different than what we're talking about. Is backcountry skiing safe? Wait, that's wait, the wait. next question. Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. Back, we didn't finish them all because we just talked about... Um, no, there's like tele- telemark. Yeah. yeah. AT, split board. Um, 
Those are basically your three. You can main. You can but hike up the mountain in snowshoes and ski or snowboard down. And your shirt you're wearing. You kind of skipped right through like um, uh, skimo, ski mountaineering, which is a whole different animal too. So those people. So there's so there's like ski mountaineering, as in you're climbing mountains and skiing them, and then there's skimo, which is like the ski mountaineering racing ultralight gear running up the mountain as fast as you can skiing down as fast as you can those are crazy I, I was into that years ago and i was never that great i was kind of middle of the pack um but man that was i've never done a sport that's more more taxing full body taxing never felt like collapsing never had my lungs want to explode as much as when i was doing that <laughs> well cross-country skiing is one of the most taxing exercises you can do on your body right skate skiing now do it at a 45 Going, degree angle yeah straight <laughs> up a mountain straight up a mountain right Whoa. oh and then like do some rappelling and then maybe a little bit of climbing in there and and skiing technical terrain mm-hmm. and you're not i mean i think about skiing as a leisure activity it's not a leisure activity when you're skinning up hiking up as fast as you can sometimes running up the mountain as fast as you can and your thighs are just screaming and then you rip off your skins and start skiing down within 30 seconds and you're going down as fast as you can your thighs don't stop screaming they just scream worse and then you get to the bottom and you're right back up and your thigh it's just brutal and add to it those skis on the way down are not much more significant than a cross-country ski (laughs) right they're real real skinny short lightweight i did notice that you know the w-u-r-l right whirl whirl um if you go look back and look at the times the fastest times are by ski mountaineer yep doesn't surprise athletes. me in the yeah. slightest. And it's like not even close. Right. They are incredible athletes. Yeah. Yeah, it's something else. So, okay. So then the next question is backcountry skiing safe? Is it safe? Yes. Can be. Compared to safe. Uh, resort skiing? Right. Depends because uh, there's a lot of people get injured in, in a resort by um running into somebody else because it's busy i've been more injured skiing at the resort than ever have backcountry skiing you're more confident in a resort you'll go off bigger things hit moguls faster than you should um i think i get this question a lot like when i talk to people who aren't really familiar with it like oh aren't you scared of avalanches aren't you scared of this and that i'm like i mean there's risk involved in everything in the outdoors right and if you if there's calculator if you making sure that you're checking the boxes that you need to you shouldn't really ever be putting yourself in a situation that's really gonna <clears throat> bring a lot of danger into what you're doing so it can be dangerous if you're skiing 45 degree stuff on a an orange or red day you know right but there's also ways to make backcountry skiing extremely safe yeah yeah you really i mean you can't mitigate all risk no, but you can definitely um, you can definitely take the risk level way down. Um, you know, when the avalanche level's high, I go and ski Cutler Ridge, and I instead of stay instead of getting on the thirty plus degree slopes, I stay on the twenty five degree slopes or less, and I can ski those all day, even in bad avalanche um, conditions. Uh, conditions. I can ski those by myself, and I know it's not going to slide. The slopes under 25 degrees just aren't steep enough to slide, even in bad conditions. And so that's what I ski if it's bad. And if it's good, then I ski steeper stuff. But if I'm skiing steeper stuff, I always have a partner who's competent with a beacon 
we always check the snowpack, all those types of things. And, you know, for a lot of people who are new to skiing and want to get into backcountry skiing, take some classes for sure. And everybody should take classes. Um, but if you've been skiing your whole life, you'll, and you're paying attention to the ski conditions and the snowpack and other things as you ski, you pick up a lot of, um, a lot of information about like what, what's safe and what's not. Um, just, just intuitively as you're skiing, as, as you get onto steep slopes and you, and you make a turn and everything sloughs off and slides, like you start to learn what, what conditions are safe and what's not. And so you start, you should still take classes and, and learn the, learn, oh, Chase got a, <laughs> got a phone call, but, uh, you should still take classes and really learn the information as well as you can, but also you can pick up a lot of information just over the years of skiing inbound, skiing at resorts, um, uh, and as far as snowpack and, and what weather conditions are, what snow conditions are safe and what isn't and that sort of thing, but it is safe. It there there is danger. It's it is there is risk involved. But um, what are the chances of um, maybe getting lost and abducted by the abdominal snowman? Abdominal 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 abdominals. Those are your abs. <laughs> snowman. Yeah, abominable yeah. snowman. Yeah, abominable. So, so getting lost is a is a legitimate thing. People do that from time to time. Um, so if you're not familiar with an area, go with someone that is or, or take a you know, GPS or map and those types of things. Uh, and the gear that you need in, in case you get stranded. Uh, the abdominal snowman. Six-pack snowman. Yeah, the six-pack six snowman. Yeah. Um, that's a real, a real concern for a lot of people. <laughs> a lot of yeah. people. Um, and, you know, I actually get confused a lot of people confuse me with the abdominal snowman <laughs> because, i'm not because i'm not I'm, sure that's the thing because I mean, i'm so white but i'm also oh so, and but ripped, i'm also so ripped, ripped right yeah, so yeah. i get that a okay, lot okay uh i won't i won't abduct you oh that's good to know uh, yeah. and i've actually never heard of anybody in the ogden area getting abducted mm. by the abdominal mm. snowman but normally that happens in russia <laughs> for some <laughs> reason sure. right yeah. yeah, so, um, uh, let's see, another, uh, next question. This is for you, Chase. What type of skis do I need to get into backcountry skiing? There's only one ski. New ones. <laughs> New ones. Oh. Icelandics. Icelandics. Um, no, it's actually like a really good question and probably the one that I get more than anything. There's not really, like, there are specific skis built for backcountry skiing. You have Dina Fitz, you have Volets, and then you have skis from other big companies that make both resort skis and backcountry skis. So what's the difference, <coughs> I guess, what's the difference between a backcountry versus a, an inbound ski? I mean, you can they, you can <coughs> use them for, for both, but mm -hmm. what would be the difference between Typically, them? your backcountry ski is going to be focused on weight. It's going to be lighter weight. Um, they typically not using metal, any part, any layer of the ski is going to have metal in it. Um, usually. usually, yeah, just to lighten it up. Um, typically we see wood cores and carbon used a lot cause they're wider or they're lighter. Um, outside of that, I mean, you'll have, some of them will have notches, notches cut out of the front and the back to put skins on easier. Um, but when it comes down to it, blanket statement, typically they're just lighter weight skis. Yeah. 
I don't know if you yeah. can add more to that. No, that's that is the case, and and uh, um, what you're finding, for example, Volet, Volet brand used to be just focused specifically on backcountry. Their skis are light; they're lighter than average, but they're so good to ski on that they get awards from from magazines, normal ski magazines all the time. They get a lot of awards from Backcountry Ski Magazine, but even like Free Skier and some of these others that are a little bit more uh, heli ski or resort skiing focused, they still get a lot of awards. And so some people prefer a heavier ski. Uh, it's, they generally are damper if you're skiing in a resort through a lot of crud, stuff that's already been skied by a bunch of other people. Heavier skis tend to uh, plow through that stuff maybe a little easier, but... Some people really prefer a lighter ski, even for resort skiing, because mm-hmm. they feel more nimble. Um, it's less less tiring, maybe on the body sometimes um, to ski a lighter ski and a lighter boot. So you know, just just because it says it's a backcountry ski, that may not mean that it's only for backcountry. Yeah. Maybe it's a good inbound ski too. Totally. And maybe some people prefer just a little bit more weight on their backcountry ski for a damper, faster downhill mm-hmm. um so it, it totally depends but yeah weight's a big thing and then also a lot of times backcountry skis are maybe a little bit more powder focused mm-hmm. um just maybe a bigger rocker tip or those types of things are not big carving skis are usually yeah. more powder focused because that's what you're getting in the backcountry for mostly totally i think like one of the biggest things is don't feel like you have to go buy a backcountry ski a backcountry ski um, if you have an alpine ski that you're going to retire, use that as your backcountry ski. Yeah. Or <clears throat> if you find a really good deal on a pair of skis that isn't totally like, I mean, I would probably stay away from a big metal sheet or really heavy, burly, groomer-oriented ski because they're just not going to ride the side country quite as well. So we, we, but, we were talking about like schemo racing and, and the... Um, the powder kegs every year and i watch and they do have a heavy metal division and it's people who are just getting into it essentially mm-hmm. and they've got these big fat resort skis with a heavy touring frame binding, binding frame binding there. and yet they still do the race and complete the race so like you said chase it you don't have to upgrade you no. can you can do you can use that stuff and still do the sport it's just if you really like it and get into it, you're going to probably lighten up. As yeah, you, as you I mean, they have they always say, they whoever they is, says that a pound in your foot is seven pounds on the back. So if you can eliminate feet, whether it's boot, binding, or ski, like, great, do it. But don't feel like you have to go drop some big money on a lightweight ski. Um, a resort ski with a tech binding is going to do just fine. Yeah. I'll tell you what, though, that that whole one pound on your feet, seven pounds on your back, it's it's legit. It is. Totally. And it's amazing um, how much weight you can save when you lighten up a ski, lighten up a boot, lighten up a binding. Um, I went from a not super heavy black diamond ski years ago with a Fritchie free ride binding and an alpine boot to a fatter but still lighter Dinafit ski. A real lightweight Dinafit binding and a real lightweight Dinafit boot, and I saved like five pounds per foot. It's like thirty-five pounds. That's like dropping a thirty-five pound backpack. Wow! And then hiking up a mountain, and I went from a ski that was ninety underfoot to one fifteen underfoot while still dropping that much weight by lightening up the boot, lightening up the binding, and even the ski was was lighter, even though it was wider. And uh, 
anyway, it makes a, a big difference. And for somebody that's just used to skiing resort stuff all the time, they get into the backcountry with real heavy gear. If you like it, you won't believe how much you like it when you're on light stuff. Uh, it'll blow your mind. It, you'll you'll hike up the mountain twice as fast, <laughs> and yeah. you'll be able to cover twice as much ground with that same amount of energy. And uh, it just makes it's fun to to move efficiently. Oh, totally, absolutely. Which, yeah, which is why I splitboard. Right, because yeah, it's it's efficient and light. I believe in efficiency. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. So, what about um, boots? What kind of boots? do i need for backcountry skiing this is one that i'm definitely more picky about um yeah. <clears throat> you you can if you have a frame binding use an alpine boot but it's miserable um, <laughs> especially if you're covering some vert yeah. um this is the, avery said this the other day when he was selling some a customer a pair of skis and i'd never heard it but you date you date your skis and you marry your boots and I was like, wow, <laughs> so true. Like yeah. your boot has to be dialed in. So one, find a comfortable boot, but bite the bullet and get an Alpine touring boot that has a good tour mode in it yeah. with inserts in there and get a pin binding. Because um, you're, you're literally, um, you're hiking 80% of the time, skiing 20% of mm-hmm. the time. So it needs to be comfortable when you're hiking. Otherwise, you're going to be miserable. But then also it needs to ski well because the whole reason you're hiking up is to ski down. And if you, you're comfortable hiking up, but it skis like crap, you're going to be frustrated. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be fun. So you really need to find one that's just kind of the right balance. And there's a lot of good options out there now. Oh, yeah. Can you use a, if you don't have enough money, is there a, a is it a, called a pin boot, binding, pin binding boot? What do you call that? A pin boot? A, a tech boot? Tech boot for your, for your Alpine setup? Yeah, totally. Can they cross over? If you've got a boot that's... I mean, I, I always use the word MNC or the, the term MNC, um, multi-norm compatible. So if you have a boot that has an adjustable toe piece, or a, sorry, a binding, that has an adjustable toe piece, then you can fit an Alpine Touring binding boot. Boot <laughs> in the binding. <laughs> in the, the Alpine binding. There are like... Usually. Yeah, typically. If it's ISO, ISO 9523, which is the norm that the boot needs to be to fit in one of those bindings, and you can you, it can fit so Scarpa Strawways, um, the Solomon Shifts, even the Hoji Free one one ten, and the one thirty can fit in those. Um, so, yeah, you can. It, it takes a little bit more research and homework to figure out what's going to fit in what binding, but you can find a boot that can do both. I just this this morning I was helping a friend at the store and he bought the shift binding, but also wants to fit it in his. I believe Solomon Warden binding and wanted a boot that could do both and he went with the Mistrale because it fits in both and he can tour with it. It tours incredibly well. It's good on the downhill, but he can also ski at the resort with it. So, Yeah, the other thing too is a lot of people look at a tech binding and they say, I'd never ski at a resort with that thing. I do it all the time. I, I didn't have a normal, I don't have a normal resort binding ski combo whatever all of my stuff has tech bindings on it and all of my boots are are touring boots and um, for a long time my resort setup was the dina fit um what's it called i i uh just forgot the name of it but it's it's that black and green boot um from years ago c5 no um oh the beast the the radical the, the beast beast 
I was, was going to say beast? alien, but was it the beast? That's a, it was the beast is a binding. Well, they make well, the boot. They made well. the boot. I think it was the the beast. No. The radical. No, is, was it the beast? I I forget. Anyway, no, the the Vulcan. Vulcan. That's the it. Vulcan. I was going to say beast doesn't seem right. The Vulcan. Um, yeah. So I had the Dinafit Vulcan, which was as close to a downhill boot as you could get that still toured well, and um. And then I skied that on a La Sportiva ski and a tech binding. And, I mean, I skied the resort as hard as I could in that setup. Now, my boots were were hand-me-down boots from my father-in-law, and they were a size too big. And so they were sloppy in a resort, especially by the end of the day. They The boots were real sloppy. I couldn't tighten them down fast, tight enough. Um, but I still could ski... I wasn't limited by the binding. If anything, I was maybe limited by the boot, and that boot was still pretty good. There's some, there's some good crossover boots now that hike well, that ski well. The Hoji Free um, is a good option. All the Hoji line is really good at that. The Mistralis are decent. The um, Head makes a a new boot that's that's tech compatible. That's a uh, what's that one called? The Core. Mm-hmm. Solomon's making some really Solomon's good making stuff right awesome now. stuff. So, a lot of good options that can cross over that hike well, that ski well, that are lightweight. It's amazing what options we have now. Mm-hmm. Great, great time to be a backcountry skier. Yeah. By the way, I just purchased myself a pair of the Hoji's. Did you? And I am stoked. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. I was between the Hoji and the Mistrale, and I've owned the Mistrale for three or four seasons now and i thought i'm gonna try something different so i went with the hoji and i'm excited yeah awesome should be should be a good boot i um i need to get mine punched this year i i didn't ski in much last year i skied in tlts pretty much all year because that's my hojis are just a little too tight on my instep and it's painful to wear them so i need to get them punched a little and see if i can fix that because that's such an amazing boot i don't know of another boot that hikes as well and skis downhill as well as that boot it's amazing but yeah. uh <clears throat> all right so uh that's the last last question to answer on this episode and then we'll do we'll do some more on a future episode but <clears throat> um what are the what are the differences between various ski bindings that you can tour with you have good ones and bad ones <laughs> so you've got oh, so you've got like your frame bindings when we refer to frame bindings we're talking your Fritchy Free Rides, your Marker Dukes, your um, Warden, your Warden Solomon, Solomon, um, Tyrolia somethings. Um, Those Marker uh, Marker yeah, the, Duke the Duke and they and they made, some others. They're new, yeah. They've. Yeah, but um, those are like your heavy bindings that will fit a normal ski boot. You don't have to have tech fittings in there. They're just they'll fit a normal ski boot. And and by tech fitting, for those that are listening that don't know what that is, that's the little metal holes at the tip, at the toe of your boot, and the little metal slots at the at the back of your boot where you can fit into a tech binding. Um, so with a frame binding, you don't need that type of boot. With a tech binding, now you've got a binding that has these little pins on the front toe that clip into the front toe and the little um, prongs. Prongs, yeah, prong. That's a good word. Little prongs in the back that clip into your heel, and um, so that's your tech binding. And then you've got some kind of crossovers in in the middle that have 
like a tech toe and a normal alpine type heel. That's like your your marker kingpins. Um, the Solomon Fritch. Shift is different, but it's kind of like that. The Fritchie, is it the Vipac? The Vipac, yeah. And so there's some there's some crossovers like that. What is your favorite chase of those of all those options? The, the frame binding versus the kind of hybrid versus the full-on tech binding. Full-on tech binding. Me too. Um, it's lighter. It's, I mean, the 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 um, pins are always going to be most frictionless. They're frictionless, right? Um, for touring. For touring. Yeah. yeah. And the heels, they they work fine. Yeah. Like in my mind, they they all work. So if they all work, then get the lightest weight one. Um, but on the, on some of those tech bindings, they are. It doesn't look like there's a lot of hardware there. <laughs> right. <laughs> some of them are like yeah. yeah. The the Dinafit is it the race. Yeah. That oh man, there there is not a lot there. And um, yet they, they still do the job. Grams, and they do. Um, I think for an all-purpose one like a radical or a rotation or a speed fit or a um, speed turn. These are all Dana fit bindings. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Are going to be a little bit better than like a race, especially for all-purpose stuff. Sure. But. And for some people, uh, tech bindings don't release quite the same. Many tech bindings don't release the same as like a normal inbound binding. So for people who are concerned about their ski releasing properly, not hurting themselves if they crash, that sort of thing, um... Your frame bindings are going to release a little more like a normal binding, and some of your hybrids are going to have a little bit more of a normal type release. Bindings are getting much better at um, releasing in all the various directions that a normal binding will. Um, but when you get into the real light bindings, you are giving up a little bit of um, a little bit of that release uh, the safety, I guess. I've never had an issue. Knock on wood. Um, with not releasing when I crashed hard, except that when my when my toes are locked in place, which is how I ski because <laughs> I don't fault. right, which is my fault. That's how I ski because I don't use leashes and I don't have brakes on my on my skis, and so I ski ski with my bindings locked because I'd rather break my knee than <laughs> lose, lose a ski. ski. Um, and knock on wood, I have. You had can any always problems. get another knee. Yeah, you know, but you can't definitely can't definitely get can't ski, right. Um, cost is about the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, kind of. Um, Depending on your insurance, maybe. Yeah. So, anyways, but otherwise, if if you're skiing with the binding properly, like the way that it's designed, they tend to release really well. They're pretty safe. You're you're not usually gonna gonna have too many problems. And so, uh, if but if that's an important thing to you have that safety if you crash um maybe look into some of those hybrid options that release a little uh in, in a wider variety of ways like the vipec um the solomon shift is is it the tecton is that the other one from fritchie yeah i think so i think that's what it's called um so there are some of those options um but i'm i'm a big fan of dinafit i just i've had them used them for years they just are always reliable uh i haven't had we we've sold Dinafits for years. We've sold G3. We've sold um, the Fritchies. We've sold a wide variety of of bindings over the years. And I would say of all of those brands, we've had a less 
uh, warranty issues or product returns from Dinafit than the other brands? By far. By far. But some of those other brands, they were new mm-hmm. to the market. And so they were working through kind of the, again, through the the pains of a new product. And, and so many of those now that had a lot of issues early on don't have those issues now. One that, that I think is sticking out is Solomon. The MTN binding is a sweet tech binding yeah for sure it's, it's durable uh, yeah this is this is for you you mm-hmm. see if you don't slow down you're gonna crash <laughs> by the primitives which probably didn't make it on the actual podcast because um i wasn't recording that particular line oh, but, no. <laughs> but yeah the uh the primitive song when you said that if when you go way too, when you go way too, too fast. fast. Yeah, don't slow down. You're gonna crash <laughs> by the by the primitives. So. Well, it's if it's song. not recording yeah. on the podcast, will you sing it for us? You don't want that. <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> um, so anyway, that's uh, those are some frequently asked questions, particularly on the gear side of backcountry skiing. So, if you're wanting to get into it. Um, go to gear30.com or come into our shop and we can uh, we can coach you through it we can show you what what boots we have like chase said you really you date your skis you marry your boots you need to find the right boots spend some time try some on walk around really uh, do the right research to find the right boot for what you need and then um, is this is this is this recording recording my mic <laughs> I don't even hear that, but that was through the microphone, through the headphones, through the microphone. Yeah, there you go. Um, anyway, so gear30.com for your backcountry stuff. Spend the time, get the right boots, get them to fit right. Don't buy them too big um, so that they ski poorly. Don't buy them too small so that they hurt your toes when you hike. Got to get the right fit. Um, so spend the time in the shop trying them on, molding them, whatever you need to do. And then uh, bindings are a pretty easy one. Just buy Dinafit and you, you're going <laughs> to oh, like geez. it. Yeah. And then uh, and then skins. Um, I We've got some awesome skins from, uh, what's the? Big Sky. Big Sky, Sky Mountain Products. products. Mm-hmm. Um, they When you buy those skins, uh, 10, what is it, $10 goes bucks. to the Ogden, Ogden Avalanche. Avalanche. Nonprofit. Nonprofit group. Help with local forecasting. And then... Um, uh, the other option is Pomoka skins that we carry, and, observations. I, and I'm a big I'm a big fan of the Pomoka skins. They're my favorite. So they're more expensive than the Big Sky ones. The Big Sky ones are awesome. They work well. They're uh, they're really quite a good deal. Um, but then if you want the premium, best of the best, Pomoka is the the way to go. And they're not more expensive than like your Black Diamond or your G3 skins. They're very similarly priced, but I believe that they're superior in their performance. So. All right, that's it. Thanks for joining us for the podcast today. Um, Check out gear30.com, G-E-A-R-T-H-I-R-T-Y.com. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode. See you all.